Okay, should we crack on? Yep. All right. Hello. I, I That's really not don't an know appropriate to... voice for hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, <laughs> darlings. Hello. Hello. What would be an appropriate voice for hereditary? Hello. Hello and welcome to the Little Film Podcast. My name's Adam and with me tonight we've got Patrick. Hello there. Dave. Hello. And Ollie. You ready for this? You good to go? Yep. Yes. Turned all the lights off under the duvet. Well, this is it because we're... We're not all under a duvet together. (laughs) Just, I want to make that crystal clear to the listeners. (laughs) Separate duvets. Awful yeah. thoughts because it's really warm in here. Yeah, it'd be Just four sweaty men under a duvet. With the it's lights quite off. sweaty anyway. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was the wrong mm to make. <laughs> that was the wrong um. It's a crucial um to get right as well. Mm. <laughs> that's a good image to start the podcast. It's suitably with, horrific it? for. Well, that's right because we are talking about hereditary tonight. Now, this is the first horror movie that we've talked about on the podcast, so. Should be an interesting one. How scared should the listeners be? Terrified. I mean, do they need to listen to this with the lights on? I would advise that they watch the film first, yes. and then they'll probably want to have the lights on for a because while anyway. there will be major spoilers. There will be spoilers about it. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking before about is, you know, getting the tone right for this, <laughs> for this conversation, yeah. given what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Is that sort of what you were, what yeah. you were getting at? There'll be spoilers up ahead. <laughs> Speed on, cabby. <laughs> so now that they're suitably poised, yeah, now it's time to talk about decapitation. <laughs> okay, so uh. this film has had quite a billing, hasn't it? There's a lot of hype around this, and particularly around how terrifying it is. Reviews saying things like, it's the scariest movie for decades. It's this, it's this generation's The Exorcist. Um, I said to you guys before we went to see it that I, I, I'm really trying these days to, to not watch trailers before going to see movies and to avoid all reviews and basically just avoid, as far as possible, avoid knowing anything about the film that I, I'm going to see. I find that really increases enjoyment. But I did read one article about Hereditary, which was, I can't remember where it was. It may have been the New Yorker or something like that, where this guy was like, yeah, everyone's saying this is the scariest movie for for ages. It's the scariest film since, since The Exorcist. So I watched it to see for myself. And I'm here to tell you that it absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> so I was slightly nervous. You're not, you're not a big horror fan, are you, Baff? I'm not a massive horror fan, no, because I'm too afraid. We were saying that maybe... Uh, just for educational purposes as well, we maybe should watch some uh, some oh, classic horrors. Yeah. We're really up for it, yeah, and yeah. you didn't see part of the enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, you were like, oh, should we watch The Exorcist together? We should watch the original Halloween. I was we like, definitely not. I'm not yeah. up for that at all. But I, I was uh, dragged along uh, to watch Hereditary. Kicking and screaming. So, uh, <laughs> But ju- just to say, yeah, it is the standard spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to know where all those scares come from. Turn off now! <laughs> because, uh, yeah, because we've got major spoilers up ahead. Um, shall I refresh everyone's memory with a quick synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes? When Ellen, the matriarch of the Graham family, passes away, her daughter's family begins to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry. 
The more they discover, the more they find themselves trying to outrun the sinister fate they seem to have inherited. Making his feature debut, writer-director Ari Aster unleashes a nightmare vision of a domestic breakdown that exhibits the craft and precision of a nascent auteur, transforming a familial tragedy into something ominous and deeply disquieting and pushing the horror movie into chilling new terrain with its shattering portrait of heritage gone to hell. Well, that's quite a that synopsis, that, isn't it? That, that sounds like from like a sort of Oxford analysis. That's sort of like professor. a synopsis slash review, isn't mm. it? But that's what they've got up on Rotten Tomatoes. Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, Ollie, I believe you've got the scores from there and IMDb and Metacritic. The scores on the doors, Adam. So on IMDb, there's a current score of a 7.8, Rotten Tomatoes 91%, Oof. and a Metacritic of 87%. So some pretty high scores there. It certainly has been very well reviewed. Mm. But what about the reviews that count? What about the four of us? Let's have our scores out of 10. Dave, let's start with you. Uh, I'd give it an 8.5. Patrick? It's an 8 from me. I know you just want a number, but this was a very difficult one for me to (laughs) score. I'm going to say... 6.5. 6.5. Ollie? It's an 8 from me. Okay. Interesting. Very high scores. The reason I say it was very difficult is because, as we mentioned already, I don't like horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I could have given this like a 2 out of 10 in terms of how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Trying to look at it as a movie, um, that's the score I've, I've mm. given it. Um, that's actually one of the strongest overall scores we've given it. Mm. I'm kind of letting the Between slide the down there. It's okay. Between what? the three of you who've got film studies AS levels. Between the three pros. And a degree. Prizes. <laughs> <laughs> two of us have, yeah. Two, two prizes. Then that's probably the highest score you guys have given it so far. So I, I've mentioned... Sorry, Dave. Well, I was going to say, seeing as you've marked it down, why don't you give us your thoughts first? Yeah, you kick off. Uh, well, I, I will give you my thoughts, but I just want... I, there's one question I want to ask you guys first, and I then... marked it down. It's really scary. That's a route into... <laughs> Pathetic. That can be a route into me giving my thoughts, maybe. But um, I've mentioned the hype around how scary it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's... You know, lots of people saying it's the scariest movie for, for years. Did it live up to the hype, in your view? How scary is it? And, crucially, how much sleep did you get when you got home on Sunday night? I thought the bits which scared me i was not say scared I, okay so overall i didn't find it that scary but big man <laughs> the bits that i did Billy find big balls. <laughs> scary or unsettling if you were like was actually in fact all the family drama stuff all the bits which were i guess in place to scare you they didn't scare me that much they certainly there were bits which would i found difficult to watch and there's definitely stuff that stuck with me visually, as in there's a few particular scenes, which I'm sure we'll get onto later, which have stuck with me. And I find I did find difficult to watch, but I can't say that I was scared. I don't think they should have amped up how scary it was, but more, I think, how good a film it is and how horrific it is. Horrific and horror is very different to scariness. Mm. Like The Exorcist maybe does both, but a lot of films kind of go one way or the other. Like The Blair Witch Project is not necessarily horrific, but it is scary. Yeah. We watched it and, and my girlfriend watched it as well. And when she came out, she said uh, she'd, she'd rather not know how hyped up something is in future 
because it does affect her viewing and it affects her viewing of the shape of water and now of hereditary. And I think that is a factor. And with this one, it sets it up to fail, doesn't it? In terms of it's the scariest thing ever. Uh, I didn't find it quite as scary as some films which I've watched. Uh, part of that probably is because I saw them at a different age and was more frightened. But but I can still think of films now, which I think still are more scary films. But you asked about how we all slept. Or something. I slept fine, but I did find myself thinking about it um, mm, for the days, for the, well, uh, ever since watching it. Um, I think it sort of creeps into your conscious some of the th- and some of the th- themes are distressing and i completely agree with ollie that some of that are the ideas of the people closest to you turning against you there's a part in it about how she sleepwalks and one time wakes up and she's covered her children in uh, paint thinner and she's standing there with matches and she kind of wakes out of that that's that's a terrifying mm. theme i think mm. and, th- and that's that's brilliant because it's again it's just alluded to it's a it's a scary theme it's not a, a worse director would have maybe shown that there's no need just hint at it mm. and have that as a sort of theme so i think to that that point about illusion i think is brilliant and one of the things that i really loved about the film is the use of the miniatures because they created unbelievable tension you know and you're always like oh, they're really unsettling is something going to happen with them and it never really does but it just paints little scenes that in other films you might have had you know like a flashback or someone clunkily saying, oh, you know, it's like that the time that grandma breastfed um, Charlie. But they don't say it. They just show it to you in these really small little scenes. And it's just very, very creepy. Yeah. The film's very creepy throughout. I know I go on about novels all the time on this podcast, but there's a, a novel that was very successful uh, a few years ago called The Miniaturist, which is about someone who creates miniatures and it's very similar in that there's this just kind of chilling, creepy tone throughout. And you're not quite sure why, because nothing ever really comes of the miniatures. There's just something creepy about miniatures. In this film, uh, we talk about, in other things, we talk about CGI versus animatronics. These are, I think anyway, miniatures which have been done. And yeah. they're incredibly good. Yeah, That's what makes it so good. The one of the uh, the grandmother or the, you know, the Tony Collette's character's mother... Um, standing in the door with the light behind or the one of her going to breastfeed or the, the the most chilling one of all and the most sort of shocking almost comically shocking in a sense is that very soon after the accident you know yeah. the center the incident which we'll the talk incident, about which yeah. we'll talk anyway that that, that that she's making a miniature of that already and how accurate it is one thing i just wanted to mention was that i genuinely thought that the marketing for this film has been superb as in, they've only done, I think, one main trailer for it. I feel like they gave so little away, and the incident, which we'll talk about later, uh, was so shocking because we had no idea the film was going in that way. I had an idea in my head of how the film might pan out, and I, it was completely different to that. But the the misstep with the marketing, I feel, has been, you know, when you walk, when you walk into the cinema and you see the poster and it's five-star, 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 five-star scariest film ever like it does build up that film and you think you're about to walk into one of the best things you've ever seen and i feel like it just slightly took the edge off it a bit because i you know i generally thought it was going to be really scary and unfortunately it wasn't quite that for me for the reason they wanted it to be it so 
it wasn't the scariest film ever. Mm. So let's maybe leave that point. So because that, that's something that's been on the marketing and been talked about. But I think we all agree that it's actually a pretty scary film. Yes, mm. definitely. And just just to finish, um, uh, Karen from Ollie's point. A trailer badly done, and in fact, the flaw of all trailers, I think, is that the bits you see in the trailer, you then wait for and you anticipate yep. in the movie. What was strange in this one is that, I don't know if you noticed this, but the start of the film has many points which are in the trailer. Yeah, It's quite curious, and you think, oh my God, is the film going to be like five minutes long? Because the, the trailer starts with the um, grave scene and uh, the her speech about her mother. Yep. And... The thing about it, not just the trailer, but hearing how scary it is, is that because the start of the film is quite slow, for the most part, the, the early part of the film is is slower than, than the end, certainly, you're thinking the whole time, oh, it must be really scary in a minute, which is an odd... Yeah. It, it doesn't really help. You're sort of thinking, oh, it hasn't been that scary so far. I don't know what all the fuss is about. Although the only thing I would say about that is, for me, I had a real tension the whole way through the film. Yeah, that's which, fair. Which I thought was really terrifying. So I was constantly on a knife edge because of the fact that people have been like, this is the scariest film you're going to see. And and to the point about the trailer and you seeing all that early on, I was then like on the edge of my seat, like when is something bad going to happen? And then when you see someone stood in the corner of a room, you are like, <sighs> like yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not, I've been waiting for it, but I've been waiting for so long that I've got over that point of expectancy and it's just those little moments of it do get you. Well, I think it comes back to what we've talked about with a few films, the less is more thing. Like, there was definitely a case of that here that actually by not showing us that much when you did see something, it heightened the impact. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Dave. For me, like scary is just not the right word and it's a bit of a curious way that it's been marketed unsettling that you I get think. like horror movies do different things don't they don't you and well apart from maybe the one scene at the end where tony collette's on the ceiling and yeah. then she chases him up to the attic and she's banging her head on the attic door i don't re- apart from that i don't really remember feeling scared apart from like you yeah. say just sort of tense waiting for something to happen so it's not scary but it is discomforting and distressing and very very upsetting we've referred to it a few times the the incident the decapitation scene is just unbelievably upsetting and this is when i say i hate horror movies the kind of scary jumpy thing although i don't necessarily like that feeling i can understand the appeal of that what i really don't want from from a horror movie is just to feel incredibly distressed Mm. And that's basically how I felt. I mean, it, the, the scene is very well done, isn't it? The tension's kind of ratcheting mm. and you don't expect it to happen. Um, well, you know something's going to happen, but you're not expecting that's... that. And then the the Peter's reaction, the kind of numb yeah. silence, the long silence. And then it felt very believable to me, the idea that he would just drive home and climb into bed and it's sort of willing it in shock to basically. have not happened. And, and for me, what it kind of brought home is one of what is surely one of the worst truths of life, which is how quickly and how irrevocably things can change. Mm. Firstly, how easy it is to kill a human being, for a human being to be killed. And secondly, that awful thing of your life completely changing in an instant and that feeling of just wanting to rewind five seconds and you can't. And it's just brutal. And it's brilliantly handled, but it's not necessarily 
a very enjoyable thing to witness. I I genuinely think that particular scene is one of the most shocking things I've seen in a film in, in a very long time. For me, up until just after that, this film was on a 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, it was it was very, very high. The build-up to it and the, the tension up to it and just the shockingness of the moment because if you'd seen the trailer, which I think most of us had, you're, you're, you know, you think Charlie's going to be in that film, well, the, the duration of the film, and for her to be killed off like that is... Like, I remember, as as we talked about earlier, we, I remember looking down the line and all four of us were just sat there with our hand over our mouths, like, in utter shock that that had happened. And it's so well done and and so well acted as well. Um, so when uh, Peter, the next morning, is lying in bed and he's he obviously hasn't slept and he's just waiting for his mum to leave the house... And you hear the door shut. And at that point, my heart, I sunk because I knew what was coming, that she was going to open the door. And again, the sound like, of those screams is yeah, just harrowing. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I think um, it's strange because we give our no spoiler um, disclaimer at the start. But even with that, I sort of think that was such a shocking moment that it, I even feel bad talking about it mm. for anyone going to, wa- going to watch it. I actually think in some ways that's one of the best few minutes of a movie that I've seen in in a long, long time. Um, And the most distressing and effective and brilliantly done. Everything from, I read that uh, that Alex Wolfe and Millie Shapiro, who play the the kids, uh, they actually spent uh, many days together just... um, kind of hanging out bonding and bonding yeah. and they were told more or less to be in character so she was very silent and actually kind of difficult and he was sort of chaperoning her around the city and at times would be annoyed with the situation which was perfect for the role because he's kind of like oh she's so difficult she's always like tagging along and all this stuff and everything from that thing of the idea of a younger sibling being at a party um and then the guilt um and also we'll get on to the performances but the fact that she's creepy, but she's also vulnerable. Uh, so it's the sort of actually quite, you know, when he's holding her, when he's uh, carrying her to the car, you, you see that sort of love there. And then the way that scene is done, you sort of feel something's going to happen. And obviously she's distressed. She's having an anaphylactic shock. But then it just happens. Yeah. And all, as, I, as you say, we were all with our hands over our mouths. And then just the superb silence and his breathing and not even daring to look in the rearview mirror and then the shock. And as you say, getting home, going to bed and you think, well, that's weird, but he's sort of in shock. And then, as you say, I think, I can't remember many things more chilling, saying whether it's the scariest movie or whatever, but Tony Collette's performance, just screaming, is one of the most harrowing things I've seen in something. Both when she first Mm -hmm. discovers the car um and also then yeah. when you see her sort of heaving Double on the over. ground and she, she's screaming sort of i just want to die yeah incredibly powerful i thought did you find the like the bit where they actually showed the head quite shocking as in like i wasn't for some reason i don't know why but i wasn't expecting to see that i wasn't I, actually 100 percent sure about whether that was whether that arguably detracted i mean the only thing was i didn't was done the only thing was we didn't know really at that stage whether she'd been decapitated or whether i mean you knew it was not good you knew she was dead but 
it was a bit it was a bit kind of um walking dead yeah it was a bit like gore like there were ants all over her i, I think it was important though for later in the film that yeah. you are absolutely 100 percent clear that both she is dead and that she is headless in that sense although it's not necessarily a thing you want to see and it is kind of very different to maybe the rest of the tone of the film it does play quite an important role in the sort of mm. later elements of it yeah it's so much more horrible than if she was just killed it's way maybe more hard to articulate it's, why but it's also the, it's the re, it's the reactions from the characters which does it because you don't see apart from the head you don't really see the incident itself it's really well done because if i remember rightly it's like the camera's hanging out the window and you feel that like impact mm-hmm. on the lamppost you see it a split second yeah, before but you don't see any gore you don't see the actual instant but it's just the a the thought of it and then b the idea of it afterwards of dealing with that and c as we've already talked about the character's response to it particularly tony collette's but, screaming which makes it so horrific but also in a movie which has supernatural elements and um demon you know this sort of thing it's something which happens that's literally something that happens. That happens mm. on the tube. That's happened in trains where people are hanging out of a window, mm. stick an arm out of a window, put their head out of a window. And there has even relatively mm. recently it was something of someone who was decapitated, like looking out of a train thing. Mm. So it's actually a plausible thing. The, 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 the young, the teenage son is a bit stoned from the party and things, and he's panicking. And so the whole setup is actually plausible. So the fact that that's a family member and the fact that, like the physical thing of what that does to a head and all i mean yeah everything about it and then the thing of it's un it's literally unimaginable to know what would go through because again a worse film would have had him screaming ah, ah, himself but instead that thing of just not being able to compute i i genuinely felt this is maybe sound a little, a little corny but i genuinely felt like i was sat there with him as in like just that moment of just the quiet and like you could just you could feel him, and that there's no going back. Yeah, and yeah, and you you could feel him trying to like well, that, process that's it. That's what I mean. And, the no going back thing. It's just yeah. that mm. awful thing of like I just want to rewind, mm. and you can't. And 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 so I say it's brilliantly done because although you know <laughs> you hope no one's no one that you know is ever going to be in that situation, but everyone I think has been in situations of a much less a much lower magnitude where you just want to go back a few seconds. And you can't. And it's just a really kind of brutal fact of the universe. And that it was just kind of laid bare for us. We've got this one uh, bookmark for the, uh, the Sunday afternoon Christmas sit down with the family. This <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, Should be a good one. Sandwich between uh, scum, wasn't it? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mrs. Brown's boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a weird lineup. I, I just had an idea that maybe now... Um, because we all gave it good scores, and six point five is not a, not a bad score either at all. Maybe just we should just do the things we that stopped us giving it even higher marks. Just go over the. Well, I can say why I gave it yeah. a slightly lower score if you like. Yeah, yeah. I'm. It's maybe coloured a bit by the fact that I just don't like horror films. <laughs> I, I would say, although I thought it was everything we've talked about so far was absolutely brilliant. I wasn't enjoying it, and that is. I I, said, I mentioned this to you actually, Ollie. Although it's a different film, it's not a horror film, I felt similar about The Revenant, which is absolutely brilliant, but I'd never want to see it again because I, I didn't enjoy it. It was mm. just a kind of unrelenting punch to the stomach for two and a half hours or whatever. And so that's 
a part of why I've given this a lower score. But it also because while I thought everything up in that first act and the the decapitation scene, it's all amazingly well done. And indeed, the whole first half of the movie, I think, is fantastic. But I do think it loses its way a little bit in the second half. Basically, all of the supernatural stuff from yeah. when she goes to the seance, I was starting to lose a little bit of interest. It just felt like it was becoming a different film. The, the, like that, as you say, Patrick, the, the decapitation thing feels so plausible. And the movie up to that point felt very plausible. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is actually turning into something supernatural. And we'll maybe talk about this in more depth. But the ending for me, the scene in the treehouse with the naked people and the hail payment thing was almost comical in yeah. terms of... I, I, I really agree that it walked like a line, that. actually. I definitely agree that that very last thing, it was in danger. So I knew there was going to be controversy about that ending and that people probably wouldn't like it, as you I, guys are rightly saying. But I'm actually, saying it walked a line. I'm not saying I... Yeah, so it does walk a line, but for me... I think it landed. I agree with the point about with the supernatural. I think like her on the ceiling mm-hmm. is probably where you're sort of shaving off a few marks for me because it's, as you say, it's a bit silly. But I thought that the hail payment stuff at the end, I quite liked that because it tied into lots of creepy elements throughout the film. So just people stood watching like those kids from across the road, people smiling at children in a cinema to see that same blonde guy who's smiling at her in the cinema. Yeah, no, sorry, at the cinema, not the cinema, (laughs) at the funeral. Yeah. Funeral cinema. Well, they're similar in this case. Yeah, well, we were in the cinema, so yeah, yeah, it felt like we were there uh, in the cinema. I forgot about that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's just come back in my mind now. Looks a bit like Johnny Rotten. Yeah. Yeah, It's terrifying. stood there naked in the doorway and it's like Satanist, part of a cult incredibly creepy naked people I, I i made a joke about this earlier when i said naked people but genuinely they're terrifying when they're stood in the attic the, the fact they were naked did actually make it freakier definitely because yeah, also they're that. quite unusual looking people they're not mm. they're not people you'd necessarily yeah. choose to see naked um, and, it, and it's i i thought it was good that it ended on that point of this is what it's all been about like and it all and it's up in that treehouse and i get that it's going to divide opinion but it, f- it felt for me that it actually kind of wrapped up what the film was about and it didn't linger on that scene for too long and it didn't talk about all that stuff too much up front. That's all fair and it's well argued. It just, for me, mm. I, it just kind of lost me. And I'm I probably thought, somewhere I, in between. I thought it was brilliantly, the first half was just superbly put together and then it just kind of fell away for me. That's why, uh, as I mentioned earlier, like the first half of the film, I was sat in the 9 out of 10 camp I wasn't quite sold on the the supernatural stuff, the cult stuff, the demon stuff. I just didn't think it was done maybe as well as it could have been. I think- but the rest of the film, like all the other elements of the film, like the acting, the cinematography, the soundtrack, the sound effects, everything else kept it alive for me. It was just that... Just I think there's, quite- a bit of a, there's a bit of a risk here, though, that um, the, a tiny bit sounded like... so. Um, there are certain films that like I rule out for my mum seeing because she basically just doesn't like like sci-fi. She's like, oh, but it's all a bit like your parents would say as well. It's like it's all uh, it's all fake. It's all nonsense. That's what it's they like, said about I, Avatar. I, right? I like I like real stuff. Yeah, they, your parents. Yeah, said, my mum. I watched Avatar. My parents. They're like, and I at the end I was like, did you enjoy that, mum? She's like, yeah, really like that. Actually, it's a little bit far fetched though, wasn't it? I was like, 
what were you expecting? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, what I mean is what you were saying before was kind of saying like, I like the stuff which was real life. Mm-hmm. And then when it became supernatural, but that shouldn't, it's not that you don't like supernatural things, mm-hmm. is it? It's just that you felt it was jarring between yeah. the two worlds. That's right. That's that's fair. It's just, you know, people might say, oh, I like it because car accidents happen and all this stuff. But, you know, seances are bullshit. It's not. No, it's no, not- no. I, yeah, no, it's not that. I think if the whole film had been that, yeah. then I'd have maybe bought into it more. But yeah. it just... As I've said this a couple of times a couple of different ways but it just felt like a slightly different movie yeah. like the first half that kind of exploration of grief and that scene where she there's that sudden outburst at the kitchen table and she yeah, screams amazing. at Peter I mean an amazing performance and it also again feels very plausible and it's like an incredibly you know an incredibly vivid portrait of this family yeah. gripped by grief but that just felt like a different film to then hail payment you know well, I think what I would say to that is that I think that the whole film is is plausible in what it does and achieves because it has that first half, which isn't all about like the the, sat- the satanic cult and and things like that. But there it's are because allusions to there, it. There, there are, are allusions, allusions to it, to it with yeah. the mother and and the symbol and things like that. Mm. But I think it's because you have this steady build and this increase in tension, and it feels all about mm. this family's problems and drama. And obviously, it's all about just trying to wear down Peter so that he's a suitable host. And you get that at the end. But it's what makes the film brilliant for me because I don't really like those kinds of films. I think I don't really like horror films. I not I don't hate them as much as you. I don't get the opportunity to watch them because. My fiance won't let me watch horror films because she hates them. So we didn't get them in the house. Um, Tony, on that note, um, partly isn't here because he didn't get around to watching the film, but also his long-term girlfriend um, wouldn't let him watch the film. She wasn't going to watch it, but he wasn't allowed to watch it on his own for fear of bringing a bad aura into the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, don't that's a vibe. I don't want that, you know, yeah. in the house. Yeah. I don't want your knowledge of it. <laughs> I'm glad we brought that up. Yeah. I was worried, yeah. But just to finish that point, I mean, the film is about like the occult and like that I didn't know too much about it but I kind of knew that going into it with the sort of comparisons to the exorcist so they didn't I thought the I felt that the way they were brought in worked and they worked because of the fact that it wasn't heavy-handed with it in the start of the film and you were allowed to buy into all the characters and go on that journey and then it kind of ramps up towards the end I, I liked the journey the things i had slight reservations about it's odd because in lots of other films i'd say that they're too fast and they don't have any build up any suspense oddly with this one i actually i really enjoyed the earlier part but i really did feel and I even sort of told myself to remember this while watching it I thought there were times where I felt it was actually certain scenes unnecessarily slow early on Um, and that's quite rare that I think that because I enjoy loads of sort of bleak slow movies and tv shows but I just felt at times it was almost a little self-indulgent just literally in terms of how many seconds it would be on a character's face as they're reacting or wait or pausing before answering and it just meant it was quite glacial near the start. And maybe that meant that the end was even more jolting. That was just for me. I just felt brilliant, all, all really good, but just needed a bit tighter editing to move it forward. Um, just on the thing of the end, my issue... So I like things tied to reality more so than seances. And uh, as you say, it's, it, it. there were moments which were had the risk of being slightly comical or a bit silly maybe the hail pieman that sort of thing 
Dave mentioned when when Annie is possessed, when she's first just crouched in the corner up above, I thought that was superb. Mm. And actually, at first, you couldn't, well, to me, I couldn't really tell if it was her or sort of Charlie, the yeah. little girl, and just this figure who's just motionless. It's, it's that thing of just being a moment which detracts. And when she sort of um, kind Scuffles. of flew, essentially, between the two rooms, I thought that was a little silly. Equally, when she's, she basically, a very uh, horrific and probably yeah. the most kind of gruesome scene, she's actually, I thought when I watched it, funnily enough, that she was stabbing herself, but she's actually not. She's got a garrote wire yeah mm. and she's cutting off her own head and while looking in a really scary way and actually tony collette's got a really amazing face for this sort of film um <laughs> a very expressive face and she's glaring uh kind of slightly out of the, out of the corner of her tony, eye you are perfect for this compliment you're great for someone sawing their head off but yeah she doesn't she um that was really distressing but then her body sort of floating down and going oh, yeah. up through the treehouse. Again, mm. not quite as good. But my point about the last part of the film, what happened was it became a little bit sort of more standard, more generic, more cliched. And you had basically a voodoo thing in the sense of the book. You know, you put the book in the fire, her arm catches fire. The guy runs up to the top floor. It's literally, you know, um, you know, mentioned in things like Scream. It's like, oh, the character, why is it? The character always, like, traps themselves for running up, and that happens. Mm. And there were things like that which crept in where I thought it's now quite like a lot of other things I've watched. So that, for me, the, the slight slowness early on and then the creeping in of just stuff which didn't quite work um, and a bit of uh, cliché... The only things that I didn't like about it, I yeah. thought the performances, everything else was incredible. Yeah, I mean, the performances all round were, I thought, superb. Like, every character in that film was, like, brilliantly played. And on top of that, you've got some amazing cinematography. Like, I love the way that like, the camera sort of went between the, the miniature worlds and the real world. It's like, symbolising that the real world world isn't quite right. And just the the opening shot, I think, uh, is yeah. why you zoom into the... Uh, into the the, the doll's, doll's house. Doll's house, yeah, and it becomes part of the. I thought that was superb. That whole aesthetic was very yeah. cool, wasn't it? And like, it's very. Rem- I thought a lot of the shots are very reminiscent of The Shining as well, like uh, like the following cameras and, and definitely. drivers. There was definitely nods to that, I definitely. think, as well. And that- but one thing I wanted to also bring up was just the use of sound in the film. I thought it was absolutely superb. Like the score was brilliant. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there's very few scenes in that film where it's quiet. There's always a like humming or droney sound in the background, like a really sort of low frequency sound. I think that was the air conditioning unit in the Mallards. <laughs> uh, there's, there's something there which just makes you feel... Yeah, I really enjoyed the green flickering light. It's actually the fire this escape. This is the thing. There's, I can't remember what the yeah, film was. There's sorry. a film that was shown at either Cannes or... Um, Sundance. Sundance, where people actually had to leave the film because they, there was this droning sound in the I background. I think it's the Irreversible, time. the Gaspar Noe film. There's, yeah, there's a sound in the background which, to some people, they couldn't stand listening to. And it wasn't to that level in this film, but I just thought that sound played such a great part in creating this like sense of tension. Yeah, the mood. And the mood, yeah. I really noticed it in the classroom scenes, or certainly yeah. in the classroom mm. scenes at the beginning. It was, it was almost like a sort of drum and bass soundtrack, <laughs> like turned way, way down. Yeah, yeah. But it's a kind of like thumping, low frequency yeah. sound that is in itself quite unsettling. It's the yeah. use of sound to unsettle in itself. I mean, obviously that is a very well-known thing in horror movies, the use of music 
generally you know there's the eddie Izzard thing about you know yeah. <laughs> if you start walking into the woods and the violins start up yeah then you really just should just uh, turn around nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. just start walking the other way yeah. mm-hmm. um so, and the and the music i thought was was excellent but it was it was the the other sounds the kind of real world sounds you you say ollie like there there are very few scenes where it's actually silent yeah but yet somehow there was this kind of layer yeah. of silence over everything and then that made the sounds when they came kind of isolated and they kind of bored into you like for example charlie's sound yeah in, in a different film where the is it is it the foley or is that something different anyway where the sound is handled differently that wouldn't have been nearly as yeah. creepy it kind of think. goes through that sound that like mm. sound doesn't it it does make you kind of i just it there was so much thought i think had gone into all aspects so mm. the part which sort of descended slightly for me into into kind of classic horror where he runs up into the attic and pulls up the thing behind him you hear the banging you hear it before you see what's going on which mm. i thought was superb yeah. because you hear this frantic banging as she's trying to get in and you're sort of thinking how is she still banging there and then this image of his mother who for much of the film actually when when horrible things aren't happening she's actually sort of quite composed or quiet and she's just demonically sort of banging her head on all fours against the ceiling and that that was quite an amazing image i thought pretty much uniformly the performances were all superb i thought maybe the teenage son is a tiny bit cliched as well his the way he's done the sort of i disagree on that i thought he was really i I think the performance was good i just think the the characterization, the the pot smoking, sort of more interested in the girls than his subjects, uh, resenting taking his sister. But that's a typical teenager, isn't it? Yeah, that's I not, think, well, is it like that's a typical yeah. teenager in film? I can um, I can remember people like that when we were yeah. growing up, so I can imagine sure. like that character. But it's a little, anyway, I, I thought it was a little obvious. The, the, the Charlie played by Millie Shapiro, I thought was stunning because I sort of mentioned it earlier, but she managed to be extraordinarily creepy and odd and yet actually slightly sympathetic i thought mm. because you see that she doesn't have any friends i think she's in a seemingly in a kind of special needs class and has her own little world but her mum's clearly so fond of her mm. and her brother's really scared when she's having a fit and things and i thought that was just so well done and i think that was an incredible piece of casting and i think i mean imagine however good you know the kids are in something like stranger things something like that imagine um, someone like Millie Bobby Brown, yeah. who plays Eleven in Strange Things, someone like that, or a girl who's a more kind of conventional looking or something, it it wouldn't have worked. No, yeah, I think Tony Collette, I yeah. think, should be nominated for things for her. Yeah, I was going to actually ask about that. Was where, like, did you think that uh, Tony Collette's performance as Annie was an Oscar worthy performance for Best Actress next year? Well, I don't know what the other contenders are yet, no. uh, so which, it's difficult to say. Yeah, but I would say that yes, it's a, it it deserves recognition above being a part of like a genre film. So instead of going, it's a horror film, it shouldn't be recognised in the same way that Heath Ledger is recognised in The Dark Knight. I think Tony Col- and Get Out was recognised. I think last year at the Oscars, like this film and Tony Collette should be recognised when it comes to award season. It's a brilliant performance. It's convincing. She's amazing. It only struck me after watching it. I suddenly started thinking about The Sixth Sense. Again, she's the mother of a child who's extremely 
odd and offbeat and to some degree sort of possessed or going through that sort of thing. So it's like that sixth sense about a boy also playing like a mother and this film playing the sort of central character's mother, Mm. if you like. But again, like incredible range of performances. But it's just just this performance of the way she portrays the character of a a mum dealing with loss and trauma and family troubles and drama like just the whole thing like she, I she was absolutely incredible i thought it's almost perfect I, I know i'm captain nitpick but there was one bit where it's actually the bit where she's trying to persuade her husband to come and yeah. burn the book where i thought it was actually a tiny bit overdone yeah she kept saying the word she please. keeps going like please please if you just uh, honestly I'll, and it's just it it she it's just very slightly turned up to yeah, 11 but i thought i thought that was good though because i really and you know he won't be talked about in the same way as everyone else because he's not part of the the bloodline and you know the whole thing about hereditary he is almost like the outsider in the family like the dad character of Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne. Byrne. yeah like I thought he was really good in he it was the whole time playing like a guy who's trying to hold his family together when quite clearly there's something wrong with all of them he was yeah. and he's just like a normal guy trying to mm. work this whole thing out quite long suffering you can tell yeah. he's like been through a lot hang dog expression and yet quite um moving as well when he's trying to save her from more grief when he answers the phone about the grave being exactly like it's, all of it's that. endearing yeah and, um, he was sort of in the N'Golo Kante role wasn't he just <laughs> doesn't get the headlines but just no other critic will have been <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah very good yeah. one thing I wanted to ask was um I was tr- I'm still trying to work this out in my head the like meaning of Charlie and the bird yeah so you know the bird crashes into the window mm-hmm and she takes its head off. How does that fit into the like whole sort of setup by the Grand for um, Peter to be the vessel? So there's a bit in the film where they're talking about the fact that Granny wanted her to be um, a boy, and the fact of the matter is that essentially the way... The Granny wanted Peter originally, but they say that the mother kept her away from Peter as he was growing up, and then she actually let him come back when uh, Charlie was born. And I think the idea behind that is that Charlie has got some of uh, payment in her, in a bit of the same way that the Granny has some of payment in her, and it's in it's in their bloodline, and she's... Mm. But it, it needs um, he he I suppose payment is a ma- he needs a male vessel yeah and that's what she reads in that book and so the idea is there's a bit of this demon in other female members of the family and in Tony Collette's character as well and that's what you know when we're talking about setting her children on fire and stuff like that mm. but I think um, it needs a, a male vessel so she's got a bit of the demon inside her yeah and then. Essentially, her death is part of breaking down. But that, the that's, bird. that's a very I mean, that's bird. a very good, um, in some ways, better than what I've read, which is actually which I think is actually from the writer and director uh, mm. Ari Aster. How they intended it was that, as you say, that that's spot on. That it needs a male, a strong male yeah. vessel. But actually, essentially, that Charlie is Payman, um, is that demon, but in a kind of weak female form so because at the end do you remember peter becomes charlie like that he he, there's that scene where that light which recurs throughout the film the sort of shimmery yeah that was quite creepy as well that centers on his body and that's the then malevolent spirit of of charlie um entering peter and after that he is that uh sort of demon you're asking about the bird yeah there's a 
superstition that a bird hitting a window means death for someone in the home. Okay. But Charlie yeah, does okay, remove the bird's head, though, and I just want to know what... Well, that's, well, a good, that's a, actually a very good observation, which probably not many people made, as in that it. I hadn't thought of that, but it, it yeah. precedes it's the beheading. It's foreshadowing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I don't know if there's necessarily, like, a direct... But, okay. but, but equally, in terms of the actual... Um, that's not the only figurine she makes. So in her room, there are lots of other creepy mm-hmm. little models. And it's, also in the room at the end... Um, you know, there's the one made of her head on a sort of Christ-like uh, figure. But the taking the head off the bird, I don't think there's anything more to it than that, other than that she is that demon, basically, and she's making these strange, mm. these strange okay. sort of sinister models. A bit like kind of true detective. Can I ask you a wider question, a more sort of general question? Of course you not can, kind of Not limited to this movie. What is the virtue of being made to feel upset by a film, would you say? Like I've I've mentioned, like I don't like horror movies, but I can see the appeal of the kind of Blair Witch Project thing of of that scary jumpy thing because it's adrenaline, isn't it? It gets the adrenaline mm. going. But a scene like the decapitation scene, although as I say, it's fantastically well done, is just incredibly distressing, and I don't necessarily like. I never want to see it again. And I, I'm not saying there isn't an answer to this question. I'd be interested to hear you put into words what is the I think the it, appeal of a movie like this it takes you out of your comfort zone I think it takes you out of a a place where you're that's certainly true like, but, it takes you out of a place where you you know you go through life and you're very happy and comfortable and it just allows you to experience other feelings of like distress and you're not selling it to me. No, <laughs> well, no but, but, it, but it it allows you to sort of... Explore those. Explore those, but yeah. also make you realise, I guess, like, how lucky you are or, like, how happy you are. Okay. Or also, like, like you said, how, like, how something can change in an instant and how you should, like, appreciate okay. maybe the time and life you have because things can change in, the, you know, snap of a finger. I think, to get even more general, you... Uh, need to examine like why you watch a film mm. we we might love um i don't know up or shrek or whatever i love both of those actually but you don't want every film to be like that so you, you to me you watch films because it's i adore film because it's an amazing way to explore humanity that's a horrible thing to happen to me the showing it or whatever and i thought it was actually that scene quite tastefully done but it's it's that's something. <laughs> I mean, as in, as no, in, I know, I know what no, you mean. It's just, it it's, it's not like in. hostile or something. No, and yeah. it's not Tarantino, and it's, it's not, not gratuitous. It's not gratuitous. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. And it's you watch movies. Oh, we mentioned earlier the movie Scum. It's just one of the least enjoyable films I've ever watched. But I think it's a very good film. Mm-hmm. It creates you, a conversation like this. It, it cr- but, gives but also, you a... but not just that because I don't like that argument when it's used for Lars von Trier when it's like the house that Jack built, oh, it's created a conversation. Yeah, because it's like pathetic because he's just doing really unpleasant things just so that people will talk about it. These are, this is, well, one thing is that it's not real. That is actually crucial. That sounds odd, but watching a video of a little girl in real life that people presumably can find on the dark web or whatever, um, uh, being beheaded, like does, I think, like diminish the person who watched it. I think that's like, really awful and it is an interesting 
conversation to be had about how these things should be handled in film. Because I, I really object to when violence is done because it's like, oh, this is really like exciting or isn't it cool to watch someone being like horribly tortured? I don't like that at all. But I think you are exploring the ways um, people react to all sorts of circumstances. And uh, you're also, it sounds awful, but but put yourself in the, into the perspective yeah. of people who have suffered in that way. So it's compassion, it's empathy, mm-hmm. it's all sorts of human emotions. It's like you it. said with Peter, with you, you felt like you, you said, as you said, as you said earlier, Adam, that in that moment you felt like you're trying to process, like Peter was, mm-hmm. of, of what had just happened, how quickly it just happened, and now there's absolutely no way of going back. I was going to say, I think you also, or we also forget sometimes that film is an art form. Like a lot of the films that we review and go and see, you you definitely wouldn't bracket in the art category. But it's the same with music. Like, why would you listen to certain performers who write very sort of depressing songs about breakups or family members dying and, and, and things like that? But you will listen to but you will listen to that music and it will touch you in a in a certain way. And it won't all not all music makes you feel happy. And, and not all music also, makes you want to dance. Also, for you, I think you because you you, you, you mean me. Well, sorry, yes, Adam. For you, Adam, you read a lot, and you would probably read. Uh, I, I doubt you're an, um, a, a massively keen horror reader, but you'd read things which have really unpleasant mm-hmm. things in them that happen to characters, and it's the same. It's really the same question. Mm. I suppose where it is tricky is that you don't necessarily want to see something. So um, the movie Irreversible has a sort of one shot, sorry, one um, camera shot, eight or nine minute vicious rape. And you think, okay, well, that happens in real life. Like maybe we should have to experience what that's like. But I agree with you that there's there's a line, definitely. And um, it becomes gratuitous. And just if it if it really badly affects you later on then i think it, it hasn't i, I think job. i think the visual element is a key part of it because yeah. you're absolutely right i do read books where awful things happen and it doesn't traumatize me mm. in the way that that scene did mm. and it is probably the fact that it's visual but also i mean even within novels that i read there are some novels that i read that i think are brilliant but i wouldn't necessarily recommend them to anybody so like there's a book called a song for issy bradley which is about a eight-year-old girl who at the beginning dies of meningitis mm. and the novel is just a kind of exploration of the grief of her mother mm. and family and there's more to it than that but that's the, the sort of mm. premise of the book and although it's brilliantly written and it's a great novel I actually had to stop reading it at times and then if someone asked me would you recommend that I'd be like well not really because it's yeah. actually just incredibly sad but also think of something like not horror but think of the opening of Saving Private Ryan I think in a way, one of the more distressing things you could ever watch. And it's absolutely terrifying. But you'd think, why do we watch war films? Mm-hmm. We know war happens. We don't have to see that. But in that, you I mean, it's maybe even insulting set, but you get a tiny glimpse of the terror and hopelessness and fear and muck and blood and viscera that would be involved in a in a in a war like that. And it may be makes people think well that's a really horrible thing to happen if that's what the achievement is and the people are like it's a really literally like that's an awful thing to happen to a family that's an awful thing for a person to do to another person then then i think it's been done well i think i you're absolutely right and i'm not trying to say that like i only want to watch films or read books where nice 
fluffy unicorns yeah. appear. You know, it's. But I do think enjoyment is absolutely a key yeah. part of it. And I, 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 although I think it's a brilliant film, I don't know that I enjoyed Hereditary. I just said, sorry, sorry, just very, very quickly. I was just going to say, like, that is my response to that. But there is also just the human thing, which might be an awful thing, that people tend to slow down to see what's happened for a car mm-hmm. accident. Rubbernecking. And there's also a strange sort of sadomasochism about, you know, why do we eat in extremely spicy things? Like, there's a kind of, you put yourself through something. That's an odd human element. I think the thing as well with films is, like, you want to feel extremes of emotion one way or the other, yeah. whether it's exhilaration, whether it's, you know, excitement, joy, uh, like, you know, feeling like love and romance, like that sort of feeling in you. And I think it goes the same with, like, horror and fear and feeling tense because you're feeling uh, the extremes of these emotions but in an entirely safe space, because at the end of the day, you're just sat down watching something. You've not got to go through the fear or, or, or anything really of that situation. Once you turn it off, you walk away from it, but you've felt something. And I think often in day-to-day life, like, you know, you don't get those extremes of feelings. Like you, I think that's why you would watch it. So you can enjoy those feelings. Like you can enjoy being scared if you know that it really you're safe. You're actually safe. It's like on a yeah. roller coaster. Like you enjoy that, but, but you like, can get out of it. But you can get out of it. If but you're if on you a were, train that was if you out on a, of control, yeah, a train that was out of control, that would be terrifying, and you would not want to be in that situation. But mm. it wouldn't be any different. The feeling, but it's just the difference between mm. being safe and not safe. I mean, there's obviously that feeling side to film and cinema, but cinema, sorry. But you also, for me, like. I go into films and enjoy them for other reasons as well, as in that not just the story, not just the drama itself putting on screen, but I enjoy, you know, the soundtrack, the acting performances, the like cinematography, like the special. There's loads of different things which why you would enjoy a film. And I think it, I do agree with you, it is it's it's a very, very sad film and it's a very distressing and unsettling film. But there's so much to admire about it aside from that feeling you get all the other aspects of it are are like something to really enjoy even with all the seances and the stuff which goes on and becomes supernatural there's a lot of humanity in it and i think even if you didn't specifically identify them there are real themes at play as well about grief and about uh, guilt and about um worry about how you've treated someone while they were alive and depression and maybe postpartum depression, all sorts of things like that. I mean, maybe not quite as clearly as um, in something like the Babadook, but that it, there are real themes within this sort of supernatural horror. It's fun for all the family, really, isn't it? Yeah. Would you recommend it to anyone, Bath? And as you said before, that book, you wouldn't recommend... If someone said to you, oh, have you seen Hereditary? You went, yes. And they said, should I go see it? Would you say yes or no? It kind of depends who it is. If, okay. if it's someone who likes this kind of film, then definitely. But I wouldn't recommend it for my sister or girlfriend who hate this kind of film. So, yeah. There's just one last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up. Um, and it's something that you said earlier, like right at the start, and then we got talking about something else, was the fact that you think that there are other films that you've seen that are much mm. scarier because of the age at which you watch them. Mm. And I think that there's a massive thing of that with this. So when I saw The Exorcist and The Shining and everything like that, I was probably only about 10 years old. You know, we saw 
it when we were probably about eight years old, which was an error because that's that's really stayed with it me. It literally badly affected my life for several Can years. Can you just recount the story of uh, how you were watching the wrong film? It it sounds too ridiculous to believe, but I think there was a mix up and that my and that I'd been told that we were gonna watch E. T. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, which is weird because we watched a good chunk of it without realizing <laughs> that it wasn't the film that I'd presumably already seen. So the point I want to make is, I think if I watch those films now and obviously watch the remake of it, it's much less affecting. If you watch them fresh now, when I watch horror films that you guys recommend to me, I walk away from them and I go, not particularly scary, you know, few bits, and those are supposed to be like the best ones, you know, things things like it follows, for example, or you know, the witch, and I think that children and let's be honest when children read or hear we did it you know this is a really scary film when they watch this film i think it's going to stay with them i think it will absolutely terrify young people this film if they can stick with it that because the first part's maybe yeah. slower but the last part and the car scene and and the mother at the end Do you i not think, think it's just all the utterly stuff terrifying before will affect them as well though like the drama like the, the sadness but remember that, that when you're a kid you're yeah. not you don't really no. you you're a bit impatient you're yeah. more impatient than we are mm. now i think that's true because i the first time i watched texas chainsaw massacre mm. i turned it off halfway through yeah, because people, i was like this is boring we'd be the same with the exorcist yeah. uh, when we were kids watching the exorcist you think i don't know what the fuss about it's really slow and now we'd say it's like building although tension. i turned that off halfway through because i was so scared and had to go back to it right. like an hour later um, we all just watched too many horror films when we were too young. But uh, but I think this film, genuinely, people seeing this film at a young age, it's really going to stick with them and they'll talk about it in the same way that we talk about films like The Shining and The Exorcist, okay. maybe Blair Witch, That's maybe a very good films point. like that. I think when those people are our age they're going to have the same feeling about this film yeah, that's that a, we had about that. I think, that's a, I think that's a very good point. And actually, thinking of it, if I had relatively young children genuinely i wouldn't want them to, to watch, watch this no. until they were adults i don't think my mum would want me to watch it now <laughs> it's, yes. it's, but no, but it's only a, it's only a 15 rated film yeah no. I mean, and it is, it yeah, is it's, it's 15. a 15 yeah, yeah. But, but it's but again it, again it's not the it's not the visual horror in it it's the the like the emotional emotional stuff but, in it yeah. which is really Something you just Tough. mentioned, though, a tiny bit of me is almost sad about about that fact that when I was younger, they these things would affect me. Even if the, there was just horror within or really bad violence within a film that wasn't scary at all. It could have been a PG or something, but there was things that would scare you. And I do think that's part of the thing of we have amazing imaginations when we're really young. Mm. And we, in a way, sadly, maybe get a bit more jaded and we realise those things aren't real. Whereas when we're young, it just sort of, our imagination runs wild and as a 12 year old or whatever uh, you know watching something like that i would then like check behind doors in my house and like is et back there (laughs) 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 on his bicycle Uh, yeah um (laughs) well yeah we should probably wrap this up any final Mm. thoughts are you guys proud of me for coming along i'm really proud very proud (laughs) yeah but I'm saying that very proud. We've got hear. the itinerary for tomorrow. You're watching Halloween, then The Exorcist, then lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and Blair Witch, just to round it off in the evening. Oh, so, yeah, which we'll that. be watching uh, on a laptop in, in a tent in the middle of some woods. Oh, and Candyman, because you like candy. It's got the word candy in it. Yeah. That sounds great. more fun. Yeah, yeah. no, Candyman's a good laugh. Let's get him watching that one. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Pencil that in for Boxing Day. 
All right, cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Talk to you again soon. Charlie. Uh, Hello. What did I think was interesting about this? Still hear me? Naked people. Uh, Who's doing the the synopsis? (laughs) That was it. (laughs) It's a bit like Bath. Do you want to do the synopsis on this one, mate? I can do, mate, if you want me to, mate. Oh, come on, mate. (laughs) Mate. Uh, Who's going to read out the title and try and get that correct? Who's going to do that? (sighs) Mate. (laughs) Hereditary. (laughs) Hereditary (laughs) 4. Okay, shall we go? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shall I? I was going to actually give a little, like, I've done an outline. Do you want me to go through ah. some of the things? Because I felt which are... Huh? That's good. Yeah. How's that sound? Like that. Yep. How's this sound? Are all the levels the same I as think... they were? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they all seem cool. pretty good. Good. You need to lean in if you're talking there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's cool. Go on. Okay. I'm just going to have a little sip of water. Was that a horror movie sound you were doing there? What was that? <laughs> <laughs>